right, so let's talk about those flip lands that we did not get a chance to talk about. Mm, I'm so excited about these, but not at all for Frontier. <laughs> <laughs> so we mentioned the Path of Metal, and actually we thought there might be some potential there. That one's the red-white one. We also sort of mentioned Hedana's Climb, which is the green-blue one. So the other three... I'm going to start with Storm the Vault, because I think it's the least interesting of them. This is the blue-red. It's two, a blue, and a red, and whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you create a treasure token. And at the beginning of your end step, if you control five or more artifacts, you flip it over. So it turns into literally, li or what is it, um, Tolarian Academy. So you can add one mana of any color to your mana pool, or you can add blue to your mana pool for each artifact you control. Yeah, this is really exciting. I forget what this does so often. I, I look at it and I'm like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, the blue-red one, it's got a lot of text on the front, and then sometimes it's a I weird looking card. sometimes, like, I can't figure out what the art is on it, like... There's so much mana here, and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, so, the thing that this yells at me right away is, um, Walking Ballista. Hmm. So, it's like this giant mana sink for Walking Ballista. I don't think this is playable at all. I think I don't know. You didn't even let me set you up with saying. <laughs> I, I wanted to say. I wanted to say, Matt, tell us why we'll never see this played. It's four mana. That's four mana. For... It's a four mana do nothing. When wait, no, it's a four mana treasure, Matt. Okay, it gives you a treasure. Yeah, I mean, and then you have to control five or more <laughs> artifacts. I don't know. Like, move on. Let's. This, is, yeah. this one's a waste of time. All right, all right, we'll move on. Um, so the green black one, I think, is cool. I think it's really cool, and I don't think there's quite a home for it in front of I, So this one is... Sorry, go ahead. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll talk about it. So this one's one, a green and a black. It's an enchantment, a legendary enchantment. Uh, aura. This one's an aura, unlike the rest of them. Uh, mm -hmm. So when, it, when the enchanted creature dies, you return it to the battlefield under your control, and then journey to eternity, which is the name of the card, to the battlefield control transformed. So it enchants a creature you control. When that creature dies, you bring it back with the enchantment flipped so what are the classic 60 card decks that play auras just a quiz here it's boggles boggles yes absolutely <laughs> it's boggles right and we do we have very many good hexproof creatures in frontier we don't i was really hoping to see a 1-1 one, one hexproof i was hoping to see a boggle yeah. i was thinking the mirror folk would have been the right place to play it but absolutely but, so anyways this comes back it comes back as a legendary land which is it ramps you um it can tap to add one mana of any mana to your mana pool. But you can also pay three, a black, and a green to bring target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Which is amazing. Is it, that's yeah, terrible. Instant that's speed. Super bad. It's... <laughs> well, I mean, think of it this way. Like, when is this ever better than Scarab God? Even if you flip it. Um, you can do it in response to Scarab God. Like, they target yeah. your thing, and you bring it yeah, back what to if, the battlefield in response. What if you just had Scarab God and did that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Scarab God's great. You're not going to get an argument from me. I mean, like, I can't see a reason why you'd ever want to play this when you can easily get two for one. Uh, and it costs more mana for its activation than Scarab God. And it has to tap to, to do this, or Scarab God doesn't. So you only and get you to can't do, do it, it once to the per opponents, turn. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I mean, it also... Yeah, really the risk of being two for one is the big problem. If we had some kind of good two mana creature that you could sacrifice just on its own, I think I would have a little bit more interest, but we don't really have that. We don't have something like um uh 
uh, so Sakura Tribe Elder, which is I think yeah. what some people have talked about as maybe an option in modern. And not just Sakura Tribe Elder, and um, the other one would be the uh, the one that scries. I use it all the time. Why can't I think of it? It's a vampire, even. I thought it might get a reprint. Um, hmm. Oh, do you mean uh, Viscera Seer? Yeah, I do mean Viscera Seer. Yeah. Yeah, I just mean, even at even ignoring the two for one factor it's it's a three mana you have to or you spend three mana on it and it does absolutely nothing <laughs> yeah. and it's just it's it's like you're saying i'm gonna cast this on a creature so push this one <laughs> i would like you to push this creature okay i will push that creature yeah cool i just wasted three mana yeah yay <laughs> yeah very unimpressed with this one yeah All auras right. I, are I really think... really dicey it could get there someday. If we got something like a Sagura Tribe Elder, the opponent taps out and you could just blow up, get this card on the board, get the mana ramp from it, and it of course brings the original creature back. That would have some power to it, but I don't think we're there. Even then, I just I don't think <laughs> we would play this over other reanimation options. I don't think we'd play it over Scarab or uh, Liliana, Death Majesty. Okay. I mean it's it's a little cheaper, it's a little bit in different colors, but I can uh I can it's, see where it, yeah it would take some real it's, it's not cheaper though really because once it flips you need to do you need six mana to do it. It ramps you though. Yeah, so so five mana, but actually six, right? Like now let's talk about the last one, which is also very very slow, but I think it has some potential. So this is the black white one. So this one is a uh, one white black. It's profane procession. It's a legendary enchantment, and it has one ability for three and a white and a black. You can exile target creature. Then if there are three or more cards exiled with Profane Procession, transform it. I just think, I think this one's, like, considerable. I think this is a brew around. So I think for me, this is this is a pure sideboard card, but at the same time, it's kind of like, mm. if you sink this on turn three, how does Control ever beat you? Oh, right. Yeah, they, they don't. Or even if you're, if you're Control and you're against a mid-range. They don't get finishers. They try to deck you is what they do. I really want to try this in Abzan. I don't think it's main deckable. Oh, so, so, I don't think it is either. The the backside here, Tomb of the Dusk Rose. It's a it's a legendary land like the rest of them. It taps for any mana color, one mana of any color like the rest of them. And for two and a black, you can tap it to put creature exiled with it back into play under your control. So those so you creatures that you were exiling, you flip it. it. Yeah, you just you take them, you get them back on your side. So it's your removal spell and it's your finisher all in one. I mean, it, it seems like it could be really strong. It, it's a lot of mana, and it doesn't do anything when it first comes in, so you really need the slower metagame, uh, or the slower deck. to be, You need to be against a slow deck, right? Like, if, I'm, if, I'm, if my game plan is Profane Procession, and I queue up against a Tarka Red, that's it for me, right? Like, there's no, there's no <laughs> yeah. living through that. No, absolutely not. Yeah, I don't think this can be your plan A. Yeah, it's it no. got to be sideboard, I think. But, but actual potential as a sideboard card. And it's an enchantment, so it's really, really hard for most of our control decks to remove. Yeah. That I'm definitely in for. I think that we'll see how good that last flip enchantment is. But let's talk about some other cool cards coming out of this new set. Um, um, there's definitely some more mythics we have to Before cover. we quite get to that, we didn't touch on Path of Metal again. And I know we talked about okay. it earlier, uh, but I think it's actually like a real... I think it's main deckable. I think it, it's properly good in, in the right shell. And I think the re- main reason for that is... It's very easy to flip in the right shell. And hmm. the backside is absolutely bonkers. All right. So I had had a deck right after the whole set came out that I had had this card in. 
and then my teammates convinced me to take it out right away. So I end up slipping it back in there as like the 61st card, like being like, I know I'm going to take this out, but I'm going to test it for now. So maybe now I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to make it a real card in the deck and <laughs> see how it works out. I just mean, let's say you're a, a weenie aggro deck. How do you? How does mm-hmm. mid range or control ever beat you once you've resolved this? Yeah. Um, well, they, they you know they're gonna run this uh, the blood sun and then you're just done for. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what Atarka hates to see is a three man enchantment on the other side. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> it's probably not great against uh, go wide aggro decks, but but I think there's a lot of other decks where this this does real work. I don't think it's a four of, but no, I don't think so. Maybe either. a one or two of, but I, I think I think it's Th- that is something. That's something about all of these enchantments that we didn't mention, but I think is important is that none of them are maze. So in la- the last set, they were all may flip. These are all must flip. So I think with Path of Metal, that one's probably fine. You're always going to want to flip it over, unless if you know you already have one on the other side. But like the Hadama's Climb that puts plus one plus one counter on something and then flips, you have to flip it over. You can't just let it sit there and keep giving you counters. You can't, um, with the Profane Procession, you can't just sit on the front side and keep exiling creatures. It will flip over. It's really interesting to think of this in uh, Weenie versus Control because then all of a sudden you're the Control and they're the Beatdown. So really yeah. really peculiar and, i hadn't thought about and actually that. another thing even though i'm saying that this backside isn't as good against go wide aggro the front side is actually really good against go wide aggro right exactly, exactly. yeah those are the decks where it's best yeah so I, I i didn't think much of the front side in general because it's kind of whatever one damage isn't much uh but yeah yeah you'll wipe in a tarka red's board at least partially right Hmm. yeah i think it's a pretty exciting card yeah, and even if you're destroying a creature at random, they uh, they only have so many creatures. Like, they, how how many times do you need to do this? So, on all of this, is this something we want in Niophyte Club, or is this it's good without the enrage part of it? I kind of asked that we, earlier, and I don't know if we. We don't it. talk about that deck. <laughs> we don't uh, talk about that. Deck. I think I'm probably running like one or two of these in Niophyte Club, but I think any any white red aggressive deck can probably find a slot for it. Either in the main or the oh, sideboard. I invented a deck this episode, and you guys are talking about it already. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so let's move on. To, so I've been trying to bring up that there's some mythics we just haven't even touched on. Namely, we haven't talked about the Planeswalkers at all, and partly that's because I don't think they're great. I think that, like Ixalan, they weren't you know standout cards that are going to impact the meta. But I think let's give a quick cover over them. Um, <clears throat> So one of them here is Angrath, the Flame Chained. This is the Minotaur Planeswalker for three, a black and a red. It comes in with four loyalty. It has a plus one where each opponent discards a card and loses two life. That's okay. It's co- it Colagans commands. Yeah. <laughs> Although that's not usually the mode I like with Colagans commands. No, I, I like the like artifact destruction and the get artifact a destruction, back. kill a creature, bring back your best creature. Yeah, those are usually the better ones, but. Uh, if you're discarding a card and losing two life with Colgan's Command, that's kind of like the leftovers. I need to get it out of my hand. Yeah, I need to cast a spell. My opponent has, you know, they they have the shields down because they're on blue-black control, and I want to make them discard a card. So, <laughs> Yep. Uh, so the minus is a minus three. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap it against haste till end of turn, so the usual threaten effect. And then if it's converted monocost three or less, you sacrifice it at the end of the beginning of the next end step. Which is a which bit is of a twist cool. on that. 
Yeah, kind of that. Uh, what is the bolus spell that does slave to bolus? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and then it has a minus eight, which is quite a bit to get up to. But each opponent loses life equal to the number of cards in his or her graveyard. Which is also pretty cool. I don't think. Yeah, so that's anymore. maybe a finisher, but you're not really going to ever get it up to eight. I don't think. I think there I mean, are many more things that Grixis Control wants to be doing, and there are a lot more Planeswalkers so that are more appealing to Jund. This, yeah, and it doesn't really protect itself. Oh, sorry. Yeah. This is the saddest card of all of Rivals of Ixalan <laughs> for me because <laughs> I think at five mana, he's just completely unplayable. But I think if he had been four mana, and I think that like he reasonably could have been. I, I think it would have been a very reasonable design decision for them to leave him at four mana mm-hmm. and say, here you go. I think at four mana, he would have been a major player in uh, mid-range jungles. Absolutely. Yeah. They could have even pushed him to three by weakening some of his abilities. Like, get rid of the two life loss, get rid of the sacrifice, and he's a three mana planeswalker. I don't, think, I don't think I'd play him at three mana if he didn't have the sacrifice, but they probably, they probably could have found a way to, to weaken him for a three mana, yeah. But at four mana, yeah. I would have played him in jund, and I'm so sad that he's at five because it makes him garbage. And they hyped him up so much. Like, there were a lot of people talking about him for a really long time. He's referenced on a lot of really, good, like, interesting cards. And so mm-hmm. he's, he's referenced on Dragon Skull Summit. So, yeah. All right, guys. Well, I'll, I'll excite you much more by talking about Huatli. Oh, man. So so Huatli, at least, is interesting. So she's yeah. a two, a white, and a green for a th- Planeswalker that comes in with three loyalty. Her plus is a plus one, and then you also put a loyalty counter on her for each creature you control. Her minus is a minus uh, one, and target creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. And then for a minus eight, you can get an emblem where whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you draw a card. I would never play this. So <sighs> when we talked about Ixlon, we did the Ixlon spoilers, I remember saying... Mm-hmm. That three mana Jace was the worst planeswalker in Frontier. <laughs> I are you going to give that crown to a new? I one? didn't expect him to have that belt for such a short amount of time. <laughs> oh man, it's so true. Like this doesn't pass the planeswalker test. No, which which is that it can't protect itself when it enters the board, and the plus one doesn't do anything proactive to set you ahead. Even it can't make. It, it doesn't. It doesn't even do things that green white wants to do. Even the minus one is kind of like, what are you doing? Like, eh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're not finishing the game with that, why are you really using it? Yeah, like that minus one easily could have been the plus one. Easily, and the plus one could have been make a token. Like, if it made a dinosaur token, I'd be stoked to play this card. Yeah, even if it was just like if even if the the minus was make a make a token and the plus was what her uh, minus one is now that would still be a maybe I still don't know if I'd play it but it'd be a lot better you know it'd be it'd be maybe so okay let, let me let me try and push the upside here so if there's theoretically a deck out there that's playing a bunch of rampy creatures you know things like renegade rallier and tracker and elvish mystic and maybe this new guy that lets us play an extra land you're kind of flooding the board you're gonna need some way to keep going in the I think long I lost you yeah, 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 I lost it too. <laughs> you, you, you can't play this guy and like immediately pop her up to like eight loyalty, get that emblem going. Now that that's actually something I think is awkward is that the emblem 
in order to play her, you really want to have a bunch of creatures in play, but the emblem wants you to play creatures after that to stay in play. So, so you don't think there's any way to test this card in that? Deck? I think the biggest thing is that this would this would fit into tokens, right? Um, but if you're looking for a four mm-hmm. mana planeswalker and tokens, why aren't you playing Gideon? And do, Gideon. do you have enough slots for more than four four mana planeswalkers? Not like if if and, you do, then you're probably using that for Soren or like, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I think I think you have to have four Nissa, uh, the Zendikar Nissa, voice of Zendikar, mm-hmm. and you have to have four Gideon. And you have to have like um, ten more slots at that at four mana <laughs> before you want to include Huali. It's it's the Merfolk problem, man. Now you just run ninety cards, so your deck gets stacked. Gets or ninety nine cards. It could be okay in a. No, I don't even know if this is good in Commander. I don't know where you'd want this in Commander. So do we want this in Naya Fight Club? I guess is the question. Uh, oh no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think our board's ever fight. Get that wide. Don't ask. Don't ask questions. You know the answer to Sky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about another mythic, though. Um, and this is, you know, another probably not playable, but we got to talk about Azor, right? Yeah, I guess we, yeah, we, guess do. we do have to. It's Just so because cool. of the flavor. It's so cool that I'm going to try it in, like, an Esper Control. Before oh, I man, went. I knew you were going to try this. I saw this card, and I was like, that is Finkeltastic. Oh, God. Uh, so this is a two, two white, two blue. You know, it's another card. Like, they nailed the flavor on some of these mythics like this one in the nine 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 that has the threes on everything they they, they nailed the flavor so this is the six mana six six flying when it enters the battlefield each opponent can't cast instant or sorcery spells during their next turn and then whenever it attacks you pay x white blue blue and you gain x life draw x cards so here's the optimal play with this card is you play it when they're kind of shields down tapped out on their next turn, they can't kill it because they can't play any spells. And then you untap with your mana to counterspell to stop them from killing it. And then you attack with it and you tap all your mana and then they kill it. Right? You know what? That's actually a lot better than I thought it was. I forgot. It is, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that they couldn't cast instants and sorcery spells on their next turn. Yeah, so they can't remove it. So what if this was like the next Dramoka, right? Like what if in some sort of like blue-white aggressive strategy... Or in a control mirror, you get them to tap out on their turn. And then you play it after they've countered all their stuff. All, all your stuff, right? Maybe. I mean, it's still six mana. Yeah. So I, don't, I, I don't see this as a control mirror card. So you see it as an aggro boost card? Like something that closes out like Bant or something like that? Yeah, more like, a, yeah, I see it as a mid-range breaker. Like something where... If you're ever going to use it, you have to use it to beat mid-range, I think. Which is unfortunate, because I don't know how much... How much mid-range there really yeah, is. Right? Uh, I think Atarka Red and like the really aggro decks have either lost before this comes down, or killed you before this comes down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in kind of a grindy mid-rangey matchup, maybe you could, you're could you looking to recover some health. And, you know, yeah, there's definitely card draw there that that's going to be relevant right yeah so there's definitely awkward things it's not great at blocking and you don't really want to be tapping out all of your mana as this blue white control deck on your turn yeah and i mean right the 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 final thing for me is that when is this better than ojitai yeah 
Or Dremelka, or, you know. Or Scarab God, or something else that's a control finisher right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't right, think exactly. Ojutai makes a cut, and I don't know if this is better than Ojutai. Mm-hmm. Right, I think... Would you so, play yeah, this in it, Approach? So, in my kind of joking example, if it survives to your attack, you spend all your mana on it, and then they kill it. Maybe you draw four cards, gain, X, draw, gain four life. Was that really worth it sitting in your deck? And, like, they're going to be killing it on your upkeep. Like, you stopped them from getting rid of it on their turn, so... Yeah, so you just need to have the counter it. spell ready. You'll have the mana for it, but you still have to have it ready. And, that's and then your, kill it your Sphinx's Red is going to be smaller. So. Or if they used, like, a cast out to kill it, or, like, this new Chupacabra that we're about to talk about. I mean, here's the thing. Like, when you win with this card, you're really going to win with this card. Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the same Which means it's Sphinx. win more, right? You're saying it's win more? Yeah, right? Like, it's... When you're when you're not winning with this card, you're topping out for six man on your turn, and then so that they can go wide and kill you. Well, and then what happens? That, probably I mean, that, that was the same as Sphinx's revelation. Is you didn't win by playing that card, but you won once you played that card, and then you're just sitting there like you could run Elixir of Life as your win con, and you're eventually going to win. Yeah, 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 right. So you're topping out on your turn, um, and you know your your best case scenario, you're probably going to win the game, but I think you were going to win no matter what. And your your mm-hmm. normal case scenario is probably that, you know, they don't do anything on their turn because you've locked them out, and then on your turn they try to kill it on upkeep, and you spend all your mana countering their spells, so yeah. you can't really use it anyway. Or if you try and use their abil- the ability, they can kill it then. Yeah. yeah. So th- that's kind of what is most likely. Yeah. So I tried to uh, make that nice transition, dude. We want to talk about this uh, this tubacab Absolutely. Let's do it. Alright, yeah. so Ravenous Chupacabra. It's a 2 and 2 black for a 2 2 beast horror. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls. So I'm going to go flavor first. One thing I didn't like about the Chupacabras is that I feel like they should have been vampires. Like, when you think about the lore of a Chupacabra, it's, you know, this bloodsucker. I would have thought those would have been great vampires and would have fit in with the tribe. Maybe I'm the only one. There. I actually agree with you, and I wouldn't have thought of it until you said it. So, good job. <laughs> wow agreeing on the flavor that's interesting all right let's talk about playability though okay so i think that because the body is kind of lame i don't really like this card and <laughs> i have much easier ways to definitively destroy a creature for that i think this is a matter of metagame i don't think it fits the current metagame where we're we're in this very control oriented meta uh, but i could see this into a more aggro mid-range meta from like a mid-range deck uh okay you know it's a two for one and that's kind of solid no matter how you slice it uh a four mana two for one's quite pretty good yeah i think i'm with you guys actually um a lot of people were really hyped about this card I, i would like to be the person to hype it up but where i immediately thought of is that we've got some good three mana cards that also usually kill a card when they come into play we've got that vengeful rebel minus three minus three if you've got revolt We've got the um, Wasteland Strangler, which is the same thing, but with uh, processing. And they're not seeing any play because there's just not those mid-range creature battles where you're trying to kill something with them. Well, I mean, the, the flip side of that is that both of those cards have a lot more setup, right? This is just this is going to happen no matter what when you cast Ravenous yeah, Cobra. Yeah, this is just going to happen. I think this is playable. I do. Um, so I, I feel like I'm being, I'm being misinterpreted, but I, I feel like this is playable, main deckable. Uh, I don't think it's it fits where we're at right now with the metagame. 
but it's definitely not bad. Yeah, I, I could I could see finding a spot for it in a mid range list down the road uh, when the meta inevitably shifts. Okay. Oh yeah, most definitely. I, I love that the meta shifts. Anyway, and you did bring up the big point is that if you're playing this against a creatureless control deck, it's a two two for four, and that's just really bad. Super bad. Yeah. Super super bad. And All right, so can we talk about the Phoenix? To, yeah, yeah, I was about to... I was making a slow transition there. Four tops are tough to justify. Here's an awesome four drop. <laughs> yeah, so this is our red mythic for the set. This is Rekindling Phoenix. It's two and two red pips for a four three with flying. <whistles> uh, when Rekindling Phoenix dies, create a zero one r- red elemental creature token with at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice this creature and return target card named rekindling phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield it gains haste until end of turn so if they don't want your rekindling phoenix to, to come back they have to kill the token so too. i just want to say it dies to lightning strike and fatal push unplayable <laughs> it, it dies to both of those things if your opponent casts both of them. that was yes. that was a joke yeah it was it was hilarious <laughs> Dies to Doomblade. It's bad. Now, yeah, I have gotten a little bit of testing. Flyer. I have gotten a little bit of testing on this card. It is very good. There is also a little bit of, like, you do have to hesitate a little bit. So when I first was playing this, I was like, oh, yeah, like, it'll just always come back. I'll block your creature trade. And it definitely it won't right always come back. Yeah, that yeah. that's a little bit... You, you do want to, like... It's not perfect. It, there are times where they'll kill it, where you'll you know you'll block to trade with it, and then they'll just kill the token. That's still a two for one, but it doesn't feel amazing. I think I'm usually okay. Anytime I'm letting my phoenix die, I think I have to be okay making that trade. Right. Uh, I really like this card. I think it's great. Uh, I think maybe my joke got a little bit lost there. <laughs> no, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Fatal push plus lightning. Speed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is a rock solid playable. Uh, I think I've talked a little bit about. I think we we're going to see some more jund lists in the future, mid range jund. Oh, this okay. definitely runs. Yeah, that. and I think I think there's a few varieties of it, and I think at least some of those varieties run rekindling phoenix. I think rekindling phoenix is just a a great grindy card. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this card in Sahili? Hmm. I don't see why you would run it in Sahili. Okay. I think I'd rather go up the one mana for Glorybringer in Sahili. I yeah, I run Glorybringer. I don't even think I want Glorybringer in Sahili. I think there's better options at five mana. And I think I think this set has given Sahili some new toys, but I don't want to talk about mm. that because I do not want to see people play Sahili. <laughs> Stupid deck. For the the aforementioned hate boner for Sahili. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> um so alright, what other non specific to a tribe cards you guys have that you want to talk about here uh so there's because I've, I've still got a few if we're going to do a top five of the end here i still got a few cards that i might have mentioned on there that we haven't brought up so yet. there's so there's definitely still some things there's two here uh that i want to talk about uh one because i'm okay. super sad and one because it's pretty good um <laughs> okay which so is the, the uh... first one is blazing hope i'm so sad how sad are you guys oh man uh... so did you uh did you listen to the episode that Finkel and I did on white our like first episode on the color pie? I didn't, um, but I have a feeling I agree with everything you said just based on the way you you've uh, <laughs> framed it. Okay, so here's what we said, and then you can just say yeah. All right, so what we said was 
the thing that white really needs right now is instant speed removal at two mana or less. Yep, 100% agree. That's white really needs that. And yeah, I think the way I specifically it. put it is that they needed a way to kill Smuggler's Copter before it attacks. Yeah. Yes. And nope. Didn't get it. Well, so. Well, I mean. Burn your Bant decks. We're off of them. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, so. Uh, the second card I want to talk about that's kind of kind of similar. Well, not similar at all, actually, but they're both... Oh, so do you actually want to read what that first card does? Yeah, we probably should. Yeah, let's talk about Blazing Hope. So Blazing Hope <laughs> is one mana. Exile target mm-hmm. creature with power greater than or equal to your life Exile total. target creature for one mana. For, or, sorry, with power greater than or equal to your life total. Hey, yep, yep, that's the part that makes it not going to be played. Yeah, so... It's an instant. Oh man, I won this card so bad if it didn't have the last like eight words on it. You were so close, wizards. What if <laughs> it was like got there. What if it was like ten or less than your life total or something? I don't know. There's a way they could have made this playable, but it's not this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then what's the moment uh, the of other silence one for Blazing Hope? More excited about? Uh, so the other one, which is also white removal, is Baffling End, which is two mana. One colorless, one white. When Baffling End enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls with converted mana cost three or less. When, okay. when Baffling End leaves the battlefield, target opponent creates a 3-3 three, three green dinosaur creature token with trample. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's bad beast within. It's a better silk wrap, which I think is underrated in the is format. It, is it better silk wrap? Absolutely. So Why what? is it better than silk wrap? Okay, so first things first. Almost any creature you want to Silk Wrap is going to be better than a 3-3. Whether we're looking at Thalia, uh, Tireless okay. Tracker, uh, Grim Flayer, uh, you know. Oh, so Silk Wrap says power. Oh, does it? No, I know. It is, is Silk Wrap? Silk Wrap is mana cost. I believe Silk Wrap is also based on CMC. You're thinking of, um, there was the one in Cons of Tarkir, and then there was another one in dragons silk wrap reads when silk wrap enters the battlefield exile target creature with converted mana cost three or less until un- <laughs> until opponent uh, sorry until silk wrap leaves the battlefield yeah so it's 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 mana cost yeah yeah so i mean and here's so, here's the other thing too right if you're using this on like little like smaller creatures than that chances mm-hmm. are you're not fighting a deck that can remove baffling end ever Right. Wait, so why, once again, why would you run this over Silk Wrap? Okay, so let's say I'm against an Abzan deck. And I want to run just two mana white removal. Your options really are Silk Wrap or Baffling End. Uh, I would much rather them have a 3-3 th- three, three Trample than Thalia Heretic Cather. I would much rather them have uh, a 3-3 three, three Trample than Tireless Tracker, uh, than a turned on uh, Grim Flare. You know, like... All of the uh, Anafenza, all of these cards what, are just better than a three-three trample. I think what I'd rather let them have is a clue token from Declaration in Stone. I don't think so at all because the whole point of that Abzan deck is their creature quality is insanely high, right? So mm-hmm. if they turn around and turn that clue token into a Siege Rhino, I'm a lot less happy about that. Or even an Anafenza. Here's the thing, right? So, like, would you rather them have any of those creatures I mentioned before? Thalia, Grimflayer, Anafenza, 
uh, Siege Rhino. Like, what of those things do you want them to have more than you want them to have a 3-3 trample? Hmm. All right, I, I do have, I have a point for Baffling End, and I have a point against Baffling End, and I think I want to mention both of them. So the one against it is that this doesn't work, or this does work poorly against tokens. So if you're trying to exile a token, and you're doing it with a Silk Wrap, it's just gone. Here they'd still get a 3-3 Dinosaur back. Same with like the uh, the X cost creatures, the Hankerback Walker, the Walking Ballista. If they happen to get that, th that's nice to hit with a silk wrap, even if they destroy it later. On the other hand, I see why you want to play Baffling End is because you can harmless offering it to the opponent, and then when you destroy it, then you're the one who gets the three three creature. <laughs> so here's the thing. Yep, going straight into cat pack. So, I think <laughs> four color cat pack. We're straight on into it. cat pack. Oh, it's four color, right? You need the red and the black. So the, in there. You need the red and the black in cat pack. Yeah. Oh yeah. The big thing about that <laughs> is that all those kind of corner cases you're talking about, where it's worse, those decks don't tend to run Dramokus Command. They they don't run enchantment removal. You don't think there's a, a deck with Ballista and Dramokus Command in it? I think if they're playing a deck with Ballista and Dramokus Command, they're on a strictly worse version of Hardened Scales. I agree. I think Hardened Scales is a black-green deck. Yep. Okay. And I mean, like, Atarka Red, you're hitting their Swift Spears, and they're never removing that enchantment, you know? Like, uh, Mono White doesn't really have ways to deal with it. Like, just the decks that I'm... I'm going to be hitting things that are worse than a three three, three or less. that are that are worse than a three three trampler. Don't have ways to get their three three trampler. Okay. So what deck do you want to run this in? Any deck that just doesn't have access to good removal through colors that aren't white. Okay, got it. So like hate bears. Yeah, I think it... and. So something else is that this adds to your ascend count, whereas something like Declaration in the Stone wouldn't. Is that something that interests you, or is that just kind of corner case? It just happens to do it. You wouldn't like build around that. I wouldn't build around it, but I also haven't looked to build a deck and put this in yet. So if I'm looking at this deck and it turns out that yeah, I've got a enough ascend payoff, sure, why not? Okay. Man, um, so, I really wish Blazing Hope was better. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, do you have any you want to jump in with? Because I've got maybe one I still definitely want to mention. Um, I do not think so, but while you're talking about it, I'll look at the set just to be sure. Okay, uh, so one card that I think we skipped over so far is Slaughter the Strong. This is a sorcery for one and two white. Each player chooses any number of creatures he controls with total power four or less and then he sacrifices the rest of the creatures so this is a cool card i mean it's a three mana sweeper of sorts they still get to keep some of their board but it can get rid of a lot of the opponent's board so every time i look at this card when i first thought saw it i was like yeah that's that's pretty good but then kind of on subsequent viewings every time i look at it i i just think when do i want this over dusk to dawn in like a creature based deck Secondly, which I don't think is ever. I think I think Dust of Dawn is better almost always in the kind of decks that are going to want to run a sweeper to begin with, uh, right? So like, if you're in mono white, you can get back just about every creature in your in your arsenal with Dawn, and you're not going to kill a whole lot of your creatures a lot of the time. Uh, whereas this is guaranteed to kill some of your creatures if you're in a creature based deck. I think right, like 
I mean, I guess you could be sitting on, like, just a siege rhino against something like bent humans where they've got a big board, but... Yeah, but that seems kind of like we're engineering a situation specifically for this card to be good. (laughs) Whereas I think as Abzan, that's not what I want to be doing. I want to have more creatures than just a siege rhino versus whoever, you know? Well, where this yeah. is going to be really also, strong. Also, this I can th- go poorly for you, and I'll, I'll interject with this as well. This can okay. go poorly for you because if you cast this, it's a sorcery, and your opponent can interact with it, right? Mm-hmm. So they say, all right, you can, have, you can have any number of these creatures, but not that one. I'll push that one. So, like, your thing that you were planning on keeping, you don't get to keep it anymore. So, Or they let you keep it, and then they push it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so- Okay. Yeah, so I definitely think it looks good on paper, and I understand why you wanted to talk about it, because I, I, my initial gut reaction with it was the same. I thought it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I think it needs, it's something we need to talk about, at the very least. Yeah, but... And the other thing about this card is that, you know, this fits right into the, uh, the Assault Formation deck, because it's going to be a total one-sided sweeper. That's sweet, actually. Mm. I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm glad to see our T4 decks getting new toys. Hey, I mean, <laughs> giving us all these tools. We got that new assault formation dinosaur last set, also in green white. They're clearly pushing form. <laughs> uh, all right, I do have one. Okay, cool. Um, so the one that I want to talk about is Mastermind's Acquisition. Hmm. So this is two and two black for a sorcery that says choose one, which is awesome that it says choose one because. The fact that modal cards are still happening is top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the two that you choose from are search your library for a card, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library so you can Diabolic Tutor. Or choose a card you own from outside of the game and put it into your hand. So mm-hmm. this is the first time that we've gotten a card printed like this in a really, really long time. The last one that we got, I can't remember if the last one that we got was Glittering Wish or Research and Development. It's but, been a long time, though. I mean, unless we're counting Coax from the Blind Eternities, but that was very specific, very story-related. Absolutely. So this is this is brand-new design space for our format, and I want to know what you guys think about <clears throat> getting cards from outside the game. Specifically in tournaments, this refers to our sideboards. I mean, at four mana, it's just such a tempo hit. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we can ever play this safely, ever. Okay, cool. What would be the mana cost that you would want to pay to take something from your sideboard and put it in your main deck? Maybe two. Yeah, I mean, two is, and two would probably be a stretch, the, uh, you know, to me, honestly. I mean, th- that's where we... Uh, I think that there's been times where the... Uh, what was the... Dark Petition has been playable, and that's a two-mana tutor once you've turned it on. Yeah, I mean, even look at Frontier. What tutors do we see that have any use in this format? The one uh, traverse the yeah it's one. like traverse right that's it and it's it's a one yeah. mana and even then it's not widespread right there's a deck that plays yeah it. exactly mm-hmm. so i mean i think yeah i think for this effect to really be good you'd have to see it at one mana and i think that would probably be too good at the same time you know like for, for anyone to use it it would have to be one mana and for the kind of and we're not ne- we're never getting vampiric too yeah and for the for no. the <laughs> amount of restrictions placed on this card it would break combo decks in particular 
Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, not that there are any prevalent black combo decks. But, but there would be after that. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, I've got another one, actually, that we haven't brought up, and this is another kind of just role-player, kind of maybe sideboard card, and this is Silent Gravestone, the one-mana artifact that cards in graveyards can't be the target of spells or abilities, and you can pay four, tap it, uh, exile Silent Gravestone, and all cards from all graveyards draw a card. I like this a lot. Yeah, I was going to bring this up, actually. Uh, so I am actually have two minds on it. Uh, I love it in concept. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it's pretty good. One of my major issues with running Grave Hate in Frontier is that it often comes at card disadvantage uh, in the form mm-hmm. of Tormod's Crypt, right? Which is usually not the place you want to be versus Graveyard Strategies, who are all about grinding out card advantage. Yeah, it's tough against John to try and run Tormod's Crypt. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I really like that this draws you a card. What I, I like that too. What I don't like about this is that every deck that I would want to run this against is running Colligon's Command. <laughs> okay. So you, you would want to run this against Jund. Yeah, right? Or even like a Grixis control list where, you know, they do want to interact with their graveyard a little bit, you know? Yeah. So really I really like this black. against Scarab God and Torrential Gearhulk. Yeah, it stops both of the real big cards out of the blue-black control decks, and they have a harder time interacting with an artifact if they're not red as well. Yeah, I've been saying this for a while, and I think that the big problem is I don't think we should have blue-black control. I don't think it should be a deck. I think splashing red for Colligon's Command is so simple and so powerful. There's no reason not to be Grixis. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, or I think Esper. eventually we're just going to have to have Rasmus on the episode on, on an episode, <laughs> and we're going to have to have the Matt and Rasmus cage match about what makes a control deck better. So I can already tell you his argument is that the mana is smoother, but I think the reality is that shard mana is just so easy in Frontier, especially if you're just splashing for a card or two and like maybe some sideboard cards. I'm inclined to so. agree, actually. I think that shard mana is really, really easy to, to splash yeah, for. for three colors, it's, it, there's... I feel there's virtually no cost in Frontier. Uh, and it also gives you things like Colligon's Command, where all of a sudden you don't lose to this one mana spell. And actually, the fact that Shard Mana is so easy to get is the reason why I want to try Naya Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> no, like, why not? It. We're trying all these. We'll talk. Do we want to talk about the deck that we're nope. trying? Well, we'll nope. get to that. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Okay. We're, we're, we're trying this. No, this we're not talking about this. That can do a thing. And, like, it would be easy enough to splash a third color in it, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, any more cards? I mean, I've got some bad ones I can start talking about, the, like, Blightning card. But I, I think, are we kind of wrapped up on some of the r- rival spoilers for now? Yeah, I think we're I ready think to we cut the top five. Yeah. All right. Whew. I kind of have to Here we go, guys. Cage up. match. Yeah, why don't, why don't we have someone lay them out and uh, see how... I think we. I think we should. What we should do is we should go count down from five, right? From the bottom. Yeah, okay. We'll okay yeah. Absolutely. Circle. Start from the bottom. Yeah. Right, cool. Uh, who wants to go first? first? I'll go first. Uh, of course you will. So, I don't have a number five, so somebody else can go now. <laughs> cool. I'll go next. My number five is Blood Sun. I think that it's going to open up some space, and when I talk about design space, I mean that it is. It's it's something that we haven't gotten before, and it can it can really screw with lands. And land hate is like 
really, really high mana cost in our format so far. So getting this at three mana is cool, and I think it's awesome that we're opening up some design space for that. Oh man, I think it's just it's a, it's basically a three mana do nothing. That's expensive in Frontier for land hate. You know, like at least Thalia is a three mana, and now that you're trying to deal with her, she's gonna kill you, right? Like. You're on a clock. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, so, so that's mm -hmm. my main problem with Blood Sun. I just, I. You made a good point. I made this list before we started comparing it to Thalia, and Thalia is very, very obviously a card that I'm hot on. So. All right. All right. What do you, cool. th what do you think, Fink? Finkel? Um. Yeah, I think I had considered the Sun in my list, and probably wouldn't just because I've done a little bit of testing with it. Doesn't. Oh, quite I haven't make yet. It there. Oh, okay. Um, so what I had as my number five was Galta. Oh, interesting. I'm, the uh, the twelve twelve dinosaur. I'm so happy to hear that, even though I don't agree. Like I think <laughs> I love Galta. I think she's really cool. And you know, genuinely, probably you could play her in. There's some spot for her, whether it's a sideboard or like a niche strategy. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Totally. She's like Serac, right? Like playable. <laughs> okay. Um, my number four was Galta. So. Oh, cool. All right, so moving on to number four, then. And... Um, I'm going to go with uh, Dire Fleet Poisoner. Cool. I like that oh, card. Oh, so yeah, the Black Flash. Ambush Viper. Yeah. Pretty cool. And I mean, like, it's, it's so... barely a four. Like, I think there's a lot of things that could have been in this slot. I don't think this is, like, a format shaper. But I think it is mm. genuinely just really powerful. So at four, I had Reckless Rage. That's the uh, the one mana instant, the four damage to a creature you don't control, and two to a creature you do control. Yeah, I mean that that's totally fair. I think that's probably my number three. Okay, cool. So, so, so Sky, give us your number three then. <laughs> my number three is Warkite Marauder. Ooh, yeah, I figured that would be on your list. It is the. Sky oh yeah, it's Skyboy. <laughs> it's it's the most sky burial card of the set. It literally buries things from the sky. It's so great. <laughs> I can't. Um, what I had as a three here was the uh, Radiant Destiny. It may not be that powerful of a card, but it's a card I'm excited about. That's the uh, the one that you choose a creature type, and they all get plus one plus one. The enchantment. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The um, the one that hits tokens too. Yeah, it, it gives vamps an edge for sure. It lets you vamp things. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't fault either of you for your number three, so they're not on my list, Thanks. but I think that they're okay. All right, what's your number two then? Rekindling. I think Phoenix. we're all, we're all pretty much. Oh wow, mm. you didn't pick the one I picked. That's amazing. I picked Rekindling Phoenix as well. I think that it's maybe an easy pick. Like we'll probably find something that's stronger later, but I think it's it's an obvious strong card, so we kind of have to include it. I actually got to say, I think like before number two, the list didn't matter. I think only okay. the only. The only ones that are important and obvious on the top five are the top two, and I think I mm -hmm. think there is a correct order. So I think I think rekindling <laughs> Phoenix is number two, and I think it's number two by a wide margin. Right, what was your number okay. two, Sky? I think I missed yours. My number two is probably going to be your guys's number one in this case. Um, I don't think so. I don't think you guys have my number one, but. All right, all right. What was your well, okay? Well, let me let me well, do it. I know I know it's then. gonna be Matt's yeah, number. Yeah, we're gonna one. we're gonna oh. save it for my number one then. Okay, I know your guys. Is, I probably maybe you've convinced me onto the card, but I haven't tested it yet. I know what your number two and number one is. So why don't you guys go ahead? All right, all right. Wayward sword tooth. Boom. Yeah. Go ahead, talk I about it, Matt. I'll let you. Guess. And this is like number one by like a <laughs> huge margin. 
New. This card's amazing. New archetype. I, I don't know how you mean? could not find this nothing. card amazing. It's just gonna sit there. <laughs> it's not it's a, a three, three mana, mana do nothing. It's a three mana exploration. Like think about okay, think five, about five. how crazy. Think about how crazy Renegade Rallyer is already. Like mm-hmm. when when you played Renegade Rallyer for the first time and noticed what you could do with it, you were like, "This card is tier one broken, and I love it." <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> when this... I can play them both in the same deck. And they, they like it makes that card sing. Like, oh yeah, you you can get three lands into play in a turn. That's amazing. That's just the ceiling. And new. Okay, this is so good. New archetypes will be born on the back of this card. This Absolutely. is an archetype this, definer. Yes. This is okay. the most powerful card in the set in the whole block by a huge margin. This okay. this will define like ramp being a thing not just ramp like it's it's good in just creature based strategies green strategies in general this this can be in jund jund would want this like this can ramp out an emrakul especially my jund your your jund would love this all right while we're talking about cards that are defining an archetype you guys know what i had as my number one i don't i have no idea i I had our number ones might be the same i had merfolk mistbinder me too oh yes okay That's awesome. Yeah, I was kind of between that and Silvergill, but I think that this one was the bigger surprise and the bigger real. It, it's the haymaker that made Merfolk a thing. Absolutely. Like once again, just like if you and I agree that like something needs something, and then it gets revealed by Wizards, I think it's <laughs> going to be a good card. That's it. Yeah. So they like, let us do some equipment cards for them. Oh god! So, <laughs> put me on the design team. So. <laughs> For my top five, I chose how to, or I chose to do the cards based on how card the. How, my goodness, I can't speak. It's been a long episode. Yeah, it has been a long. How episode, good the card guys. is standalone, right? Uh, so a lot mm-hmm. of cards we got can't be properly evaluated outside their tribe, and it's difficult to I evaluate. Fair, yeah. You know how good this tribe is going to be in a vacuum, right? Uh, so right, but Merfolk Mistbinder makes a tribe. Yeah, like, it's the that's one the card thing. that really put a tribe on its back. Yeah, I don't know yeah. that this the merfolk mistbinder is going to get um the, the tribe as a whole into like i don't even know if it's going to be tier two you know like it could be i, I haven't tested mm-hmm. it yet um i wouldn't be terribly surprised but like it's not i don't think i don't think it's fair to evaluate merfolk mistbinder based on the strength of merfolk because you're also looking at silver gill adept uh the two mana do to explore yeah, like there's, there's so many good cards in in merfolk and now you guys are basically turning around and saying um the the tribe is is good because of merfolk misfinder and i don't think that's true no that's that's not what i'm saying at all what i'm saying is that in order for a tribe to be good it needs payoffs and those payoffs are most often in tempo and in lords and merfolk needs lords like that's that's just what it does best like the modern merfolk deck plays 12 lords so like to not have a lord in in frontier it, it just makes it it makes merfolk kind of wet blanket and, so this gives it some I, mean, I, I agree with that i just think like so you guys like how do you think how strong do you think merfolk is gonna be it is like the, the deck as a whole right people are gonna be on it i, I would guarantee you people are gonna be playing it and I, 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 I promise we're gonna like at least see five decks on. Of that, that's a big that that's a big number, but I I would say two. 
uh, and just our little group, I think that people somewhere will be playing it. I think that's fair. And if it becomes a standard deck, people will also be playing it because of that. I think that's fair. But let's, yes, say, let's definitely... say we took away Silver Gill Adept. Is that? Do you still think that's true? No, I think that no. people would drop. But that's it, what so I'm saying. Like, so it's like yeah. you're not you're now evaluating the whole tribe because of uh, Merfolk Mistbinder. But when actuality, actually, it's the whole like the combination of all these cards together. You know, like it's not. I could see that. I kind of had them as a couple there. I had actually right. Had silver gold. So like Thalia's season. lieutenant wouldn't be a good card if there were no good humans. You know, like uh, if Glorybound Initiate and Thraben Inspector didn't exist, then I probably wouldn't want to play Thalia's lieutenant. Yeah. Right. But, but like Thalia's lieutenant is what makes the human tribe a tribe. I think Thalia's lieutenant is also way better than any other lord in the format. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. All right, that's going to bring yeah. us to kind of the wrap-up of our show. So I have a cool current event to bring up. We uh, just heard about this now. We had a 57-player uh, uh, tournament in Haria, Japan. Um, they were winning a Switch for the winner, so a, a new Nintendo Switch. They had, uh, with 57 people, top 8 was a Ramen Up Red, a Red White Planeswalker Control, which we've seen from Japan before once, I think. Um, a Teamer Energy, an Insul Aggro, Jeskai Beatdown, Rally the Ancestors, Four Color Control, and a Jeskai Flyers. That's kind of coming from our inside guy in uh, Japan there, Ryan Schwenke, who we've actually been in talks with. We might be able to have him on the show soon. That would be very exciting. Uh, other yeah, than that, this is really interesting. We should talk in depth about this at some point, I think, just because yeah. it is a high turnout. Yeah. Uh, uh, other than that, um, signups for the UOL have begun. Probably just after this episode drops, you're going to have a couple days to get a deck together and get it in. So, guys, go submit your lists. It's time. We, we've got rivals. Let's uh, see how our testing pays off. Uh, we also have the UOL Top 8, so we're going to talk about those soon because that's now been locked. Um, we haven't played through all those games yet. Uh, so that'll probably be what'll happen on our upcoming cast. But as always, if you guys want us to talk about anything, if there's any cards you think we missed, we're at MTG Frontier, uh, MTG underscore Frontier on Instagram, reddit.com r slash MTG Final Frontier, and we're on Discord. Uh, the weekly streams had stopped. They will be starting up soon. We've also been releasing a weekly video on Thursdays, which has been awesome. So uh, if you just want to see some Frontier content, you're getting bored, don't have anyone to test with, go and check those out. There's always Frontier games playing that we're, uh, we're posting online. Yeah, we got some spicy ones coming up, too. I, I think you guys will be keenly interested in one that Finkel and I worked in, on together. And oh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. In the next two weeks or so. <laughs> so that's cool. about it. It's been a, a long night, guys. Um, really appreciate it. I'm glad to have you here, Matt. I'm glad to have you here, Kevin, as always. Thanks for joining us, guys. As always, it's been a blast. Yeah, it's good to have the Dream Team back together, even if it is just for one two-part episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh... So as always, but for everyone out there, we look forward to being your go-to source for Frontier information online. Your Final Frontier, signing off. Mm -hmm.